from the book of Philippians. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'm going to read this again, and uh, maybe you can read it along the screen or close your eyes, but this time ask the question as I read it, uh, what word or phrase stands out to you? What word or phrase is God uh, bringing out to you this morning? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What word or phrase stood out to you? And just take a moment to, to meditate on that word or phrase. I'm going to read it again, and this time ask the question, how does that word or phrase speak into your life today? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. How does that word or phrase speak into your life today? And I'm going to read it one more time. And this time the question is, what is God calling you to do or become? What is God calling you to do or to become? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And just take a moment to respond to that scripture in prayer in your own hearts to God.
Father, we thank you this morning that you, that you are near. And that you're not only near, God, that you are around us and that you are in us. And God, that you are at work. God, I pray that you would melt any anxiety that people are experiencing today in this room. God, that you would melt that away in your presence. And God, that you uh, would remind us, God, that you will never leave us nor forsake us and that you love us dearly. And that we're to cast our burdens at your feet and, and at the foot of the cross and that you are easily big enough, God, to handle anything that we face. God, we thank you that we can rejoice in you even in difficulty. Because in your presence, God, is fullness of joy. So continue, God, to minister to us as we gather together today. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. I invite Calvin Ford for our offering. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for such a wonderful opportunity like this to be in your book. And I pray that um, you may receive it and honor it and, uh, and to live it well. And so we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. And a reminder uh, that next week... Um, if any of you are interested in um, being a part of the worship band, uh, even if you're just like a beginner musician or you just want to learn better how to sing or play, every Thursday night we get together at 7 o'clock and, uh, and you're welcome to come and just practice with us. You don't have to show up on Sunday in terms of if you don't think you're ready. And so that's open every Thursday. Uh, and next uh, Sunday, right after church, we're going to have a little meeting for anybody who just has questions about 
the worship ministry, the worship band, maybe you're thinking about, you know, I kind of can play guitar and I would maybe sort of like to do this, uh, please come next Sunday um, and then after the service we have a little meeting for anybody who just wants to uh, explore that anymore. But uh, we just love to have more and more people uh, being a part of uh, the worship ministry because uh, God does a lot of amazing things. As I always say, sometimes worship as we're singing, is even more important than the sermon because uh, there are times when I leave church and like a couple weeks ago, you know, I was singing. The whole week I just kept singing, there's power in the name of Jesus. And that came from, I didn't remember a line from my sermon, but I remembered a line from my song, from the song we sang. And, and, and worship, it can be uh, very, very powerful. And so if you're thinking about getting involved, that'd be super. Next Sunday we're going to have a meeting uh, after church uh, for that. All right. We're going to dismiss the uh, grade two and under is what we dismiss here. We got uh, James and Amy back there, and uh, they're going to be teaching today. And so if you have grade two or under that uh, want to head off to the Shine Zoe, they can head off to the back at this time as I pray. Uh, God, we thank you for our young people. We thank you for James and Amy, God, and just their dedication to the teaching. It seems almost every week that you bless them, God. Uh, God, we pray that you continue to raise up more uh, teachers and that you might bless God, our uh, Shine Zone Ministries, we thank you, God, for each of the young people here today, and pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And we've been uh, working through a series on unanswered prayer for a a number of weeks looking at different reasons why sometimes our prayers are not answered. And it's been a good series, I think, for all of us as we've been looking at the reasons why our prayers are not answered. We're learning actually how to pray better and to see uh, more answered prayer in our life. And it's been encouraging to just be talking to many of you and how you've been praying more. And I've heard a couple of really miraculous answers to prayer, which is really super encouraging. And uh, the more you pray, the more you will see answers to prayer. And so today we're going to finish up uh, with this uh, section of the series, and we'll be looking at the role that angels and demons play in prayer. And uh, before we do, let's pray. Father, we thank you, God, that as your children we can come boldly into your throne room of grace and ask for grace and mercy in our time of need. God, we thank you that you are a God who loves us and you are a God who who hears our prayers. And we thank you, God, for each answered prayer. And God, we want to see uh, you working more through prayer. We want to see us, God, being able to recognize those things that hinder our, our prayer lives and, and so that, God, that your will might be done even more so on earth as it is in heaven. So, God, would you speak to us today? Would you open your word to us? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the nine reasons, uh, variables, we should say, of unanswered prayer, because really, whenever you pray and you, it's not answered the way you want, we often don't know why. Uh, it can be any one of these nine. It can be a combination of these nine. I mean, the only way we really would actually know is if Jesus actually tells us. And if Jesus hasn't told you why uh, your prayer isn't unanswered, then again, it, there's a bit of a mystery. But as we look at God's word... There are at least nine, there's probably more, but at least nine different variables and why our prayers may not be answered. And the first one was God's will, obviously the most important variable. But as we've talked about numerous times, sometimes there are things that are God's will 
And we're praying for those things, but they do not happen because of one or a mix of the other eight reasons. And that is the faith of the person being prayed for, or the faith of the person or group praying, the number of people praying, the persistence of prayer, the presence of sin, human free will, and today we're going to look at the demonic world and the number and strengths of angels and demons. And uh, it is really hard to pack a subject on angels and demons into one message. And so this will probably leave you with maybe lots of questions or, or perhaps you'll be like, what about this or what about that? Jesse, you didn't hit that. Just so you know, if you've been a part of this church, we have been working through the book of Ephesians and we are going to get back there. But the, the last part of chapter six is all about spiritual warfare. And when we get there, we're going to do a series for a number of weeks on angels, demons, and the spiritual world and spiritual warfare but until that point, we've got to hold on. But it is a variable and an answered prayer. And so before we get to it relating to prayer, we first need to always talk about this whenever we're talking about angels and demons and more of su supernatural things. And that is, we need to recognize the, the Western glasses that we all wear, simply by the fact we're, we're Western, uh, most of us here. Uh, we're born in the Western world, and when we're born in the Western world, just because of, uh, we, we see the world through our Western lenses, and it shapes the way we see things, it shapes the way we interpret things, it shapes the way the things that we kind of think are trustworthy or not. And it goes like this, for us in the Western world, we rely heavily on the natural realm, and we often, even without realizing this, even Christians do this all the time, Take the supernatural and put it down sort of in the corner, and the supernatural is always the last resort. We always look for answers, reasons. We try to decide things all based on the natural, and this is just the way we operate because the way we've been trained and raised in this country, and the natural realm has to do with things that are material, possessions, things, stuff we can, stuff we can taste, touch, or see. We tend to filter everything through the natural. And what we've got to realize is that there's a whole other part of this world that sees things, in fact, the exact opposite as we do. There's a whole other part of the world, uh, places in Africa, uh, lots of other places that will actually look at things through the supernatural realm, and the natural realm is sort of on the sidelines. And so for us here, for instance, if uh, we get sick and we have a health issue, our immediate response is the natural realm. And so we go, I got to go to the doctor. We got to figure out practically what is going on. The idea of the supernatural doesn't really enter our minds, though it should, but often it's kind of like, you know, I've been working with the doctors for months and months and months. Maybe I should go for prayer. Maybe I should look at the supernatural. Where you look at other countries, uh, right or wrong, uh, someone who is sick sometimes doesn't even trust the medical doctor. They will first go to the witch doctor. They will first go to, 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 to something supernatural because everything they filter is through the supernatural. So we got to realize that just being in this Western country, we tend to filter everything through this Western lens where we put the supernatural in the background. And we can look at some examples and how people would look at things differently. For instance, in Acts chapter 28, this is the story when Paul, he was... Uh, taken as a prisoner with a bunch of other uh, people, and they were shipwrecked on this island. And it says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed 
us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of wood, uh, brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on the hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, notice they interpret this supernaturally, this man must be a murderer for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess, uh, the, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. And then Paul shook off the snake into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said, he was a god. So notice how they interpreted this all supernaturally. The reason he got bit was because he must have done something really bad. And then he doesn't die. Well, the reason he's lived is he must be a god. Now, we in the Western world would interpret this entirely differently. If we saw Paul being bit by the snake, it was like, well, obviously he was messing around with where he's living. Duh, there's nothing supernatural about that. And then Paul doesn't die. We would say, well, probably the snake bit someone else and he didn't have any venom left. We, we always look for the natural answer. And if someone suggests something supernatural, and it's funny, even Christians do this all the time, they doubt the supernatural. Well, it couldn't be angels and demons. It couldn't really be God. Or I don't know if it's really true that God answered that prayer. It must be just because coincidence. Or we always look for an, and this is just because we're Western. Uh, we wear these glasses. Acts chapter 12, again, uh, another story. This is when Peter was put in prison. He was going to be murdered. An angel shows up personally and res- recognizes him. Now, even us as Westerners would sometimes have a problem with that. An angel shows up physically and rescues somebody. Come on, that must be maybe you mistaken them for somebody else. Again, we always look for natural answers rather than supernaturals. But anyways, an angel shows up. Peter goes to his buddy's house where the Christians were gathered. So Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named uh, Rhoda came to answer the door. When she recognized Peter's voice, She was so overjoyed, she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter is at the door. You're out of your mind, they told her. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be his angel. But Peter kept knocking, and when they opened the door and saw they were astonished. Again, this can't be Peter. They interpret it supernaturally. It must be his angel. Now, we would never say that. We'd say, well, I think, Rhoda, maybe you got mixed up. It's probably someone who looks like Peter. We would always try to look for an answer in the natural because these are the lenses we wear. Where they interpret it supernatural. The first thing that they went to is the supernatural. We always go to the natural. Uh, Rich and Ken in uh, the book Empowered Evangelicals, which is a great book, by the way, said this. According to most Western evangelicals, reality, with a capital R, means the reality we can see, touch, and smell. All of our questions and doubts tend to be resolved in favor, and this is point important, in favor of a naturalistic interpretation over a supernatural interpretation of life events. Indeed, indeed, it takes uh, uh, a very conscious effort for Western evangelicals to remove the naturalistic lenses and to see what other people what people in other cultures or in the culture of the Bible saw, that it actually takes work for a lot of us as Western Christians to take off this natural lens or at least to see and to open ourselves up that a lot of times the reason behind things is actually supernatural, not always natural, or it's a combination of the two. In fact, the biblical worldview is this. It is not a biblical worldview to only look at things through the natural realm and to doubt everything supernatural. It's not a a biblical worldview to put the supernatural and to doubt the natural. 
the biblical worldview is that God is involved in both. And the supernatural can affect the natural. And it's all in one box. And this is the why we need to take off these glasses. And we need to be open to both realms. We need to be open to the realm of God, angels, demons, the spiritual world, and we're open to the natural world that sometimes things just naturally happen because of reaping and sowing. It might be natural. Sometimes it might be supernatural. And we need to fight against this thing in us that always, when someone says, oh, God answered my prayer, or, you know, something supernatural, have us saying, well, you know, I don't know really if that happened. That's a Western thing. And those glasses need to come off, and we've got to live as Jesus followers who put equal balance on the natural and the supernatural. And the reality is, is that the supernatural actually can often affect the natural. And we see this all over the scriptures. In fact, uh, Luke chapter 13 says, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman who was there had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. This woman was crippled for 18 years, and the reason was not natural. It was supernatural. Uh, Sometimes health effects are the cause of the supernatural, A lot of times Jesus healed lots of people. There's no mention of the demonic or the supernatural. It's probably just a natural thing. But sometimes it can actually be a supernatural thing. And we as Westerns, we we immediately doubt that. You know, if someone said, you know, I I was paralyzed for 10 years and and someone cast this demon out of me and all of a sudden I'm better. We as Westerns would go, "Mm, you know, that's just weird. Because we wear our Western glasses. Uh, Mark chapter 9, again, another case. Uh, When the Spirit saw Jesus, with a spirit that was in this demon-possessed boy or a demonized boy is the better terminology, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. This spiritual realm affected the natural realm in which this boy was living in terms of health effects. Uh, Jesus asked the boy, how long has he been like this? From childhood, he answered, it has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. Because Satan is all about kill, stealing, and destroying. And the supernatural was very much affecting the physical health and destroying this family. But if you can do anything, please take pity and help us, this guy says. If you can, Jesus said, everything is possible for one who believes. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me come overcome my unbelief. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the impure spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet and he stood up. And this is very real stuff. Now, we as Westerners often kind of doubt it. In fact, a lot of missionaries, you read about them, have a hard time actually coming sometimes to the Western world and actually telling stories to people because so many people doubt their stories about stuff that actually happens in the spiritual realm that affects the natural. I mean, we need to be open to both realms. Uh, When you are sick and you're having health issues, you deal with the natural realm and you deal with it also in the supernatural realm. You go to the doctor. You get your test done. You do what the doctor says. But you also should go for prayer. 
You should also seek out God as this anything spiritual because both realms are an absolute reality and the biblical worldview is to see them both as equally important and as an equal reality where we don't put one ahead of the other or don't doubt with our Western Western eyes. And, and, and again, we do this sometimes. Like, I mean, just imagine if, let's say, you knew someone who had like a tumor in their arm. And the next week you see them and it's gone. And they said, oh, well, I went to the doctor and I had surgery and they removed my term, tumor. See, it's not there. Westerners would say, oh, that's great. That's, we'd have no problem with that. But let's say they came and said, I went to prayer and we prayed and God took the tumor away and it's gone this week. Do you know many Western Christians would sort of automatically just doubt that? Well, maybe it's just something that happened in your body. They would always try to find a naturalistic answer because that's just our Western glasses, and we need to fight against that and constantly recognize that. Uh, when it comes to even things like evangelism, like here, we, we tend to approach it all in the natural. I need to have all the right answers. I need to be able to sure I can share my faith. I got to try really hard and do all these things. We think about it only in the natural. But do you know a lot of other places in this world uh, look actually mostly to the supernatural? I was at a conference a couple years ago where uh, the Covenant Pastors Conference where they flew up uh, a pastor from Egypt who is one of the biggest churches in Egypt and faces a lot of persecution there. And because there's a lot of Muslims around, I mean, they can't really share Jesus and it's, it's very unsafe. And so you know what they do there? They take a supernatural approach. Most of their evangelism is actually done in prayer meetings where they're praying for Muslims to have visions and dreams of Jesus. And they said they have had thousands of Muslims come to Christ through visions and dreams. Now, we here in the Western world are like, no, we got to do it. We look at it through the natural. We would even tend to maybe even doubt that or say, you know, that's just a little weird. But both of these realms are very real. And a biblical worldview is that we are open and to uh, both of these realms because there's stuff that happens in the natural. There's stuff that happens in the supernatural. In Job chapter 1 there was a storm that wiped out Job's family. Do you know the reason for that storm? It was Satan. Satan caused a storm. Now, probably most storms are probably because of natural reasons, but there are times, and we see in the Bible, that there might be a storm that is a supernatural cause. I mean, you think about uh, weather storms that wipe out tons of population. You look at Satan's desire to kill, steal, and destroy. It's very possible sometimes there are supernatural things behind some of even the weather patterns we see. We see in Mark chapter 4 uh, is when they're on, the disciples are in a boat and there's a storm that sweeps up. The disciples woke up Jesus and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up and notice what he does. He rebuked the wind and said to the waves, he spoke to the waves, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. The supernatural affecting the natural. Jesus rebukes the storm and it goes away. The supernatural realm. This is a very real realm that often we don't pay enough attention to. Uh, one story that reveals the, the things that we can't always see is the story of Elisha in the Old Testament when uh, the king of Aram wanted to come and, and, and capture Elisha because through God he was figuring out their military secrets as the story goes. But Aram's army comes around and surrounds the town where Elisha is. And Elisha has a servant. And it says, when the servant of the man of God, that's Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. 
Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Now, why would he say that? Most of us, I'd be freaking out. I mean, if I saw a whole army around coming to kill me, I'd be freaking out. But Elisha knew about the spiritual realm. He held both. And the thing is that we will often be filled with things. We will begin to freak out in life when we begin to deny the reality of the spiritual realm because we just think we're on our own in the natural. You're not. There's a whole supernatural realm around us. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. What are you talking about, Elijah? I don't see anybody. I just see bad guys. And Elisha prayed. Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. There's all these angels around. There is a whole other realm that if you could just unveil your eyes, you would see there's a whole lot of other activity going around besides the natural. And it is absolutely foolish of us to only live the life in the natural. And a lot of Christians do. They say, yeah, I believe in God, but they just constantly deny anything supernatural. They just live in the practical, rational, and they just deny this whole other world, which is very much a reality. I mean, the reality is we are in a war zone. There is is, is war going on that we cannot see. As Paul says in Ephesians 6, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. He even says that our main struggle is not actually a natural realm struggle. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That there are spiritual forces of evil at work all around us. And there's this battle going on. And you kind of see the two sides in what Jesus said here. The thief, that is Satan, that is the plan of demons, and and, and evil comes only to steal kill and destroy that is their mission is to steal kill and destroy marriages to ruin friendships to split up families to cause havoc in countries and nations to cause division in churches to cause conflict wherever they can because they just want to make a mess of mankind but here is jesus mission i came that they may have life and have it abundantly and so there is good and evil. Now, what we must understand in this is that, you know, Satan's not like an equal foe to God, both battling out, you know, who is going to win? I mean, God is a gazillion times more powerful than Satan and demons. Uh, there is no comparison. They say, well, why doesn't God just get rid of Satan? Well, it's kind of a big subject, but that, that's gonna, it's going to happen. I mean, the Bible says that God is patiently waiting so that more people will be saved before he brings an end to this age and puts an end to the, to the, to the works of Satan. But the reality is we are in a war zone. First Peter chapter 5 says, be alert. And he's talking to Christians. Be alert and of sober mind. Why? Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. And again, if you don't put any weight in the supernatural realm, you're not going to be resisting him, and you're going to be opening yourself up to the jaws of Satan. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Again, Satan is always scheming. You know, how can I ruin your marriage? How can I get in there? 
I know he's like had temptations with that before. I'm just going to kind of just heighten that a little. I'm going to push his buttons. I mean, he's always scheming how to destroy this church. He's always just streaming how to get you frustrated and depressed and down and discouraged and just to mess up your life because that's what he wants. We are called to stand strong in Jesus. And, uh, and, 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 and when it comes to prayer, I mean, as we talked about last week, that, that one of the, the complications of prayer is sometimes that our free will gets in the way of answered prayer. That God has given us, as we talk, a, a little bit of freedom in which we can do things that are not God's will. And it's the same with Satan and demons. That God has given them some sort of freedom in this time where they do things that are not God's will as well. I mean, it's not God's will that he prowls around like a roaring lion destroying marriages. I mean, God would never want a marriage to be destroyed, but Satan does it. It's not God's will that people fall into the devil's schemes, but people fall into the devil's schemes. And the certain amount of freedom that God has given Satan and demons and given us, I mean, it just, just makes this world messy like it is. Ephesians chapter 6, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, that's when Satan or demons come and tempt you, try to mess with your marriage or your life, you may able, be able to stand your ground. Meaning, if you're not fighting back, you're not putting on the armor of God, you're opening yourself up to attack from uh, the enemy. Ephesians 4, again, warfare language. Resist the devil and he will flee from him. What if, you're not, what if you don't resist him? Uh, probably not going to flee from you. That's what the verse is saying. Revelation 10, it talks about how Satan put some of these Christians in prison to test them and they suffered. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says, if you forgive anyone, I also forgive him. And what I have forgiven, if there was anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of Christ for your sake. And then he says this, in order that Satan might not outwit us. This is Paul. And Satan is trying to outwit us. And Paul here in this verse says, you know, I need to make sure I'm living a forgiven, I'm not carrying bitterness, I'm not carrying forgiveness. Because if, I mean, if you are not uh, forgiving others, I mean, you are falling into Satan's trap. That's what the verse is saying. That we don't want Satan to outwit us. We want to be aware of his schemes. And those schemes always has to do when you stop loving people. Whenever you're unable to give or receive love from somebody or someone, you know Satan's messing in there. He's beginning to outwit you. That's why we always need to constantly live in this humble, just lower, lower life where we're loving people at deeper levels and just offering forgiveness and grace so that Satan will not outwit us. Second chapter 2 talks about how Satan has taken people captive to do his will. Luke 22, Satan entered Judas and, and then Judas betrayed Jesus. Acts chapter 5, Satan filled Ananias and Sapphira's heart. Again, we are in a war zone. And it is completely and utterly foolish to ignore it. In fact, Jesus said that we are to be daily engaged in this warfare battle. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, this is the model prayer when he says, the disciples say, teach us how to pray. And this is how to shape all of our prayers. Notice what Jesus says. Part of our daily prayer, his model for us was that we pray that we be delivered from the evil one. Now, why would he say that if the evil one wasn't a problem? Why did he say he makes it a part of the model prayer that we would constantly in prayer, God, would you deliver me from the evil one? Would you keep me from the devil's scheme? Would you protect my marriage and my family and this church from the plans of Satan and demons? I hope you're praying those kind of prayers often. Because we are in this, this supernatural warfare that we cannot see. Even Jesus prayed this. John 17. 
My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. Now, if Jesus prayed this, that means we better be praying this. Jesus is praying, God, I pray you protect my disciples from the evil one. We need to be praying this for our spouse. We need to be praying this for our friends. We need to be praying for this for our church and those around us that, that we would be protected and aware of the schemes of the enemy because there is a whole supernatural world going on. Now, this is an important point, and that is this, that we have no reason to fear or to be intimidated by the demonic realm. There is no reason to fear or to be intimidated by the demonic realm. And I tell you, they will sometimes try to be very intimidating and it can be scary sometimes, but we, we don't have any reason. I mean, uh, John said, the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. The Holy Spirit in us is far vastly stronger than any enemy we could ever face. To the disciples, uh, Jesus said, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, which is not like literal, he's talking about figurative of, of, of Satan and evil, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. No, it's to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And because we are children of God and we are disciples the same way the 12, I mean, we have authority over Satan and demons. It's not authority because I'm so great. It's authority because Jesus is in us. It's authority comes from Christ. And so we have no reason to fear Satan or demons. I mean, there have been times when we have been called uh, to pray over houses who have like supernatural stuff going on, strange noises or, you know, activities and stuff. And we come in there, we bring in the name of Jesus and it's gone. Uh, you don't have to fear. The name of Jesus is vastly superior to any strength or power of the evil one. And it's why it's important to have faith in your prayers when you're praying against things in the supernatural realm that because of Jesus, we do have authority over Satan and demons. All right, let's bring this into prayer here, because that was sort of our point. But hopefully all of that gives you a background. I mean, it's pretty obvious to this point, because of this warfare, that, that obviously, uh, just as demons and Satan can affect a lot of things in life, they can affect our prayer life as well. And there's one very clear passage that shows us directly the relationship between angels and demons and unanswered prayer. And that's in Daniel chapter 10. And here we see um, Daniel in prayer. He's fasting. He's asking God for wisdom and insight. And so an angel shows up. Again, that shouldn't surprise us. Shouldn't surprise us. An angel shows up. If you live in a biblical worldview, an angel shows up, yeah, that can happen. Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gaining understanding and to humble yourself before God, your God, your words were heard. And I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief priests, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future for the vision concerns a time yet to come. So notice here, it says this. Since the first day you set your mind to gaining understanding, from the first time Daniel began to pray, day one, his first prayer, your words were heard. Day one, Daniel prays, God hears his words. And I have come in response to them. Daniel's prayer were heard. Day one, an angel is dispatched because, again, God often uses us. We are his hands, the feet of Jesus. 
you know a lot of times your prayers are actually answered through other people? God after, often answers prayer through angels. There are times when God's stuff all by himself, but he's a relational God. He loves to use us. He loves to use angels. Here he sends out an angel to respond to Daniel's prayer. It seems like on day one, but something happened. His prayer was not answered right away. There was an unanswered prayer. Daniel prays, nothing. Why? It wasn't God's will. God heard it. He sent out an angel, but the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Now, who is the prince, uh, prince of the, the, the Persian kingdom? This is not a physical human being. I mean, physical humans couldn't resist a powerful angel. All throughout the Bible, uh, angels are called princes. Uh, Satan, uh, numerous times, is called a prince. The, the prince, uh, uh, Michael the archangel is called a prince. In fact, in here, he's called a prince. This obviously is some sort of uh, satanic being. Resist the angel 21 days. His prayer was not answered right away. Why? Something going on in the spiritual realm between this angel and the demonic world. There's some sort of battle, something going on. His prayer was not answered right away. Sometimes it may be that your or my prayers are not answered right away because of something supernatural going on. Again, we are in, in a war zone. And then it goes on. How is this resolved? Then Michael, one of the chief princes, again, Michael is the archangel. Again, he's called a prince. He's one of the, the powerful angels, came to help me. So obviously this other angel was somehow struggling. He couldn't get out of this battle. He was detained. The prayer wasn't being answered. So Michael steps in and comes to help him. And again, this is, this is the ninth variable that sometimes the numbers and strengths of angels and demons make difference in our answered prayer. Because here, obviously, it took a more powerful angel to step in to help the situation, and then it says, now I have come. Because Michael the angel stepped in and there was more power on our side in the situation, whatever this battle was, now I can come and answer your prayer after 21 days. Man, you never know what's going on sometimes when you pray. You never know what angels are doing or how Satan is resisting you. Again, it's why it's so important that you pray persistently. They pray persistently in those prayers because your prayers help just as this battle is going on. And so the demonic world can be a hindrance to prayer. The number and strength of angels can affect prayer. And we see that in Daniel chapter 10. And I really do believe that, that our prayers make a difference in this battle going on. I, I love the picture in Exodus. And, and I think this, 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 this story really has a, a, a kind of a spiritual point to it. It says the Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites. Again, Satan's desire, kill, steal, destroy. He wants to wreck your marriage, your family, your joy, whatever. He, Satan empowers the Amalekites to come and destroy the Israelites. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. Well, why weren't they fighting? They should have been fighting the natural. This is some sort of natural battle. You should be fighting with natural weapons. Oh, but it's not just the natural world. This is also a supernatural world. We need to be, make sure we have things in the natural realm in mind, but also the supernatural in realm. And so they go to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands in prayer, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and, and her held up his hands, one on uh, one side, one on the other, so that his hands were made steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. I mean, here, prayer made the difference. And prayer makes a difference 
in our life as well. I mean, whatever battle you are facing today, prayer makes a difference. It changes things. God answers prayer. Don't just live life in the natural realm. We got to live in the natural realm, yes. We got bills to pay and we got work to do and we got stuff to deal with in the natural realm, but there's a whole supernatural realm which affects the natural realm and you better not ignore it. Take off your Western glasses and put on some Jesus glasses and be open to the reality of both. I mean, I don't know what battle you're in today, but you got to be in prayer. I don't know what battle you're in today, but you need to be praying against Satan and demons because there's a real war going on. Jesus taught us that we are to be praying those kinds of things. And uh, even if your battle just seems like, I think it's all in the natural, again, the supernatural can affect the natural. God can step in and heal or fix or renew things that are seem to be just totally natural problems because the supernatural realm is incredibly real and incredibly powerful. And I'll finish with this verse. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And this is in the context of spiritual warfare. So what Paul says, after talking about spiritual warfare, he says, this kind of is the conclusion. This is the overarching thing here. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Now, we need to be praying for each other. And we need to be praying for this church. We need to be praying for marriages. And we need to be praying for each other's workplaces and, and community. And, and because prayer changes things. There are things that hinder prayer. There's variables in prayer. But I mean, I think when we understand those more, it helps us to pray better. But even if we run into roadblocks, what do we do? We keep on praying. Pray and do not give up, Jesus said. There is only one time you should ever, ever stop praying. And that's if God tells you to stop praying for something. If not, keep praying. Get people around you. Come forward after church. Again, don't just deal with things in the natural. You want to be dealing with things in the supernatural realm. I mean, if you're struggling in your marriage, marriage counseling is perfect and great, especially if there's someone who can bring in the supernatural, but also get people to pray for your marriage and, 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 and ask God to intervene. Push away the darkness because the supernatural affects the natural. And so let's be people of prayer. And could you imagine what would happen if all of us took this seriously? And if every day we were pushing back the forces of evil, could you imagine what would happen in this church, in this community, in our marriages? Imagine if every day you were praying for your workplace and for people around you that you really believe that prayer really does change things because that's what Jesus taught. It really, just imagine how things could be transformed. It's not all about fighting in the natural it's one of the things I learned from that Egyptian pastor. Sometimes you can change things greater when you fight things in the supernatural than even in the natural. Yeah. Yeah. I invite the worship team for it. I'm going to close with a song here. Hey, let's, uh, let's pray. God, we thank you that God, you have power over all evil and darkness. God, I pray you'd help us to trust in you and have faith, God, in your ability to conquer the evil one. I pray, God, that we would not be afraid or intimidated by the evil one, but, God, that we would walk out as your children in faith, knowing that you are in us, and therefore the one who is in us is greater than anything we can face. 
God, I pray we would take this, this war that we are in seriously. And God, that we would pray as, as our main weapon to fight against. God, those who are just trying, trying to destroy our marriage or our family or our home or our friendship or our loved ones. So God, we pray for protection from the evil one over each of us. God, we pray for protection from the evil one over this church. God, we push back the darkness in this community. And God, we ask that your light and your love and your grace would, would fill this entire area. God, if there is anyone here who's given Satan or demons a foothold in their life through unforgiveness or sin or whatever it might be, anger, God, I pray, God, that there would be forgiveness and grace. And God, you would give those people the ability to, to surrender to you. God, that they might live for you and that the grip of Satan, the jaws of Satan would have no more hold on people's lives. I thank you for the freedom we find in the name of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for the power that is in his name. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.